Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. This week we have Robo Umps, a major trade proposition, and the Tigers Mount Rushmore right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome back to another installment of the Baseball Together podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Brad. And as usual, we're joined by our guy, Brig. Welcome, Brig. How are you today? So good. How are you, Brad? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're um, so there's a lot going on this week. Like, I'm surprised every single week with how much we have to talk about, despite the fact that there's not any actual baseball and very little movement toward getting baseball. Right. Right. Yeah, no, so, you're not alone there. It sure is I'm, fun, though. <laughs> it sure is fun. It makes things a whole lot easier on this side of the mic, I'll tell you that. Um, That's right. But let's go ahead and get into this. So the first things first, today we had announced that MLB and the Players Association were meeting today in person. This is the first time, Brig, that these yeah. two entities have met in person since the lockout in the beginning, beginning of December. That's right. And that meeting lasted a whole seven minutes before anything <laughs> went awry so let's see if we can make it to eight maybe an hour and a half maybe three four five hours i yeah. doubt we're gonna have a deal today but nope. if they can spend significant time at the negotiating table do you think we have a chance to have a deal in the next few weeks potentially possibly maybe yeah i'd say a few weeks is reasonable yeah it's not gonna be the end of this week either it probably won't be by the end of next week and if it is by the end of next week we won't hear about it for three weeks so just everybody calm down. It's going to be fine because then they have to craft the narrative. Right. So, but what's, I just had this thought. It's kind of funny. Okay. They're meeting in person for the first time. They'll all be able to hide their contempt behind the masks. <laughs> they probably are mandated. Maybe your eyes say a lot, Brig. Your they eyes do, say oh, a whole trust lot. me. I know, but I'm telling you it's uh that, that is a benefit to the negotiations. That's kind of silver lining on the unforeseen. It's true. You don't see the jaws drop quite as as starkly when they're when they're hidden right. behind masks. But this is this is my problem with this break, is that the last time they had any meeting at all, I'm assuming the last one was over Zoom, from what it sounds like, and it lasted yeah. like an hour, hour and a half was all. Um, but it took them a week and a half to come back with a counter. Yeah. Like this is like snail's pace kind of stuff, which is bad news. And yes. And really, my biggest problem with it is like anytime there's a lockout or a strike or whatever, both sides are like we're we're trying to do this for the betterment of the game, for the health of the game, and the players are like we're trying we're we're thinking about the players in the future. This is what we want to do. We want to have a, a better place for players in the future. It's like no, you're not doing it for the betterment of anybody or anything because if you think about it, missing out on any baseball is going to be bad. If they look back at the strike in the mid '90s, the number of fans they lost, like. If this goes on for too much longer, there isn't going to be a future of the game to take care of. Yeah. Like, it'll be gone. Baseball will be the fourth biggest, maybe fifth biggest sport in North America, North American major sports, and the money won't be there. The popularity, the interest, it won't be there. They're just hurting themselves when they're sitting there trying to be like, well, we're just trying to better things. It's like, no, you're making things a whole lot freaking worse right now. Right. That That's the problem they have with them taking a week and a half to come back with a counter like you don't fight by taking a punch going back in your corner case should i go right 
left. Like, how do I counter this guy? No, you have to have things prepared, ready to go in the moment, right? I mean, you're the boxer. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, you got to have it ready to go. But the other thing is, Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. So that first, you know, that first one is can throw everything off. That's possible. I don't know. I'm just saying that yeah. uh, maybe they did have some truly unforeseen curveballs to use the parlance of our times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it's frustrating, though. Like, I'm starting to get really frustrated with this whole thing. I was maybe a little bit optimistic that they are going to figure something out before spring training. But, like, the players don't care because they don't get paid during spring training. The owners don't care because they don't get a whole lot of money during spring training. Like, are they going to be like, let's just go, like, our minimum is, like, three weeks of spring training, and then we'll start the season on time. It's like, no, like. There's a whole lot of fan loyalty built in spring training because yes. football has just ended. Basketball season is kind of in a lull. Like that is your real estate that you need to take advantage advantage of. That's true. It is the real estate. And you know what? At this point, I mean, what's nice is that and I feel this is a little bit different in the nineties or than the nineties, but what's nice is that we know the score. The fans are aware. We're not we're not being hoodwinked. We're not sitting around hoping too hard. We're not, you know, I think, I mean, we're hopeful, but it's almost a passive hopeful at this point because we are so jaded from the last time. Those of us that were, you know, affected by the last time, mm-hmm. I think that what we're seeing is the, the biggest hit we're going to take in the fandom is going to be the newer fans, those nascent fans, mm-hmm. our kids, you know, people that we, even if they're our age, the people that we are getting involved in the game right now, those, those are the people I worry about because they have the least to lose by just bailing. So yeah. I worry about the future that way. And if you add that to the amount of people that they're going to heartbreak, it's going to be catastrophic mm-hmm. loss. So I don't know. I, I wrote that piece on our, on our blog. that was a little bit dark. About- <laughs> it was a little dark. I was also laughing during because the, the analogy was pretty funny. for those of you that didn't read it go read it but i i'm basically what i said is mom and dad are fighting again and uh (laughs) so if you have domestic problems in your in your family probably maybe don't read it it's a trigger warning but (laughs) one of my friends on facebook was like is this real or do you know you don't know these people do you and i was like no i totally made it up but that's how we feel (laughs) it's exactly what it feels like though it really truly is what it feels like yeah but i don't know well i don't know we'll we'll give updates as they come um follow us on twitter at baseball the number two gather and i will certainly retweet updates as they come over the next few days um even like end of the day i'm hoping we'll have some kind of information about something but like we said don't plan on a deal today after the last time they met jeff passon said said there is no deal there never was going to be a deal a deal today but at the same time spring training is getting to be more and more at risk especially with the snail pace in which these two teams these two sides are, are moving there isn't absolutely no urgency at all i mean that just, to me is problematic so for those of you that don't know pitchers and catchers are supposed to report on valentine's day yeah, so happy just, birthday to me. Jeez. Yeah, put that in your back pocket, Brad. <laughs> put that put that in your carnation bundle or whatever they call it, a bouquet. <laughs> there you go. Freak. I don't yeah. know. They should get but anyway, some conversation hearts about it. Just yeah, like, there we you know. go. <laughs> Maybe that's anyway. how they'll negotiate. Thinking of you. <laughs> no, you're not. Conversation hearts. <laughs> this anyway. one's yellow. I told you last time. <laughs> 
But so moving on, moving on, we have tomorrow or today, for those of you listening on the day of this this episode is released, on Tuesday, they're going to announce the new inductees to the Hall of Fame. Um, My question for you regarding this, Brig, though, is who do you have getting in? Anybody? Nobody? Everybody? I mean, I hope it's nobody. I've made that. I've made my position very clear on that. I hope this is a zero class. And uh, again, wasn't last year a zero class? Uh, am I crossing my streams here? You might be a little bit because again, you got his bigness. Who's up? Oh, his bigness! You're right, right. I am crossing my streams. So oh, yeah, his bigness. Oh, Brad. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna go on the record here. So I'm some gonna... of the big names we have, though. Uh, Hold on, I'm I mean, gonna we say have this. his bigness, say David this, Ortiz. Brad. Uh, there's also Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Todd Helton. Now, this is Todd Helton is a hot one to me. Yeah. Like Rockies fans are hell bent on getting Todd Helton into the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm like, he's a good player. He's really good. He was great for the Rockies. He's what they needed. Right. But in the ultimate like pantheon of things, I don't know. No, Rockies Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly, but yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go on the know. record and say that as a hardcore Yankees fan, his bigness is the man. So there I you hope go. He gets in. Yeah, I hope he does too. I think he will. Honestly, I think Barry Bonds is gonna get in. You think so? I do. I think there's been oh. enough softening of uh, against the like the steroid era, things like that. Saying like, well, if everybody was doing it, if that many guys were doing it, but he was still that much better then it's almost like they're grading it on a curve, right? Like, I'm not saying that's what I agree with, but I'm saying I feel like that's how things are going to go. That's kind of like hearing, yes. Kind of like with Lance Armstrong in the Tour de France, right? Yeah. Like, everybody's like, well, he cheated. He should be stripped. But then it's like, well, they if they're going to go down and they're going to give it to the next guy who was clean, who won, it's like the guy in 15th place Yeah, would be the one who got it. So Barry Bonds is going up against McGuire, Sosa, um, any number of other guys who were doping and or who were using steroids at the time. The Giambis, yeah. Giambis, yeah. And he was able to put on that kind of performance that was that much better than everybody else. That it's not just the fact that he was hitting for power, it's the fact that he drew more intentional walks than most guys draw an entire season and was yep. walked multiple times with the bases loaded because they're like, Well, we'd rather give up one than two or three or four right now. Right. So well, I don't know. I think everybody knows how I feel. Yeah, we all know how you feel. That's true. I don't. I don't want to see him in there. Same yeah. with all the rest of them. Basically, half that <laughs> list you read off. What about Schilling? <laughs> should Schilling? Should Schilling get in? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Unless I, <laughs> unless I did decide and said it previously and have since forgotten. But I, I don't. Maybe. I mean, I. I really so, do go back and forth. I don't. Here's know. Here's the thing, though, with Schilling. Is Schilling is is clean, right? Besides yeah, the dirty sock. Besides the bloody right. sock, Schilling is clean. But he's a jerk. I think that's what's I know kept and him I, out, right? Well, and that's why he'll never get in the culture club. So it's now or never with this, you know, time mm-hmm. frame. He's this next few years he's got. But I know I, I, it's a Hall of Fame career. I'd say, even though he's a jerk, he put together <laughs> right? a Hall of Fame career. So maybe I should just go on the record saying I think Kurt Schilling belongs in the Hall of Fame. There you go. 
Is there a mic I can drop? Sitting here? I, mean, I don't want to drop this one, but I probably have another right. one here. <laughs> right. But no, I I think David Ortiz and Schilling are probably going to get in. I honestly think Bonds is going to get in. A-Rod, to me, for testing positive twice, like mm-hmm. he shouldn't even be on the ballot. Yeah. Oh, right? thank you. Yes. Like, that's that's my thing is like, fool me once. Okay, fool me twice. No, you're like, you're done. No. Absolutely yeah. done, though. Smack you in the face. Yeah, but that's another one. We'll have updates for you on that next week once that is officially announced on Tuesday, the 25th. Also, we have this week, AAA Baseball is going to be having robo-umps. It's official. They're getting promoted, Brig. I know. AAA, that is one step below the bigs, below the show, for those of you keeping track at home. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly, and different in between. How do you feel about oh, this? I have my panties in a wad. <laughs> <laughs> Very uncomfortable. <laughs> that sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I don't like it. <laughs> it's great so. for AAA. It's too close to the show for me. The end. <laughs> also, listen, the KBO released information about how they're training and evolving and, and, you know, make, make, maintaining the status quo uh, with their umpires out in Korea. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hello, why is KBO doing it right again? And we can't figure it out. I think the pro the biggest problem with that in, in particular is the, is the umpires union is they're very sensitive. They're very, very sensitive. And, and you know why? Cause they're old. Sorry for anybody who's yeah. old, but I think if Joe West, if you said, Joe, listen, take, here, here's a bat. Go stand at the plate. For those of you who don't know, that's what they're doing in Korea. They're making the umpires stand in the box and be a part of the situation and not just call it. But they're calling it on their peers and they're calling it on themselves. And it's, it's all very hands-on. Okay, that's the mm-hmm. update. That's what I failed to mention. So if you handed Joe West a bat and said, bro, get your butt in the box He'd say, excuse me, no. I was going to say, he would refuse. That's exactly he would he refuse. Would. That's right. So is not an ageist thing. It's a capabilities thing. Like he's he's unwilling to perform the duties that that would, you know, that system over there would require. Mm-hmm. Does that mean it's time for, to reform the situation? Right now, you're right. That doesn't mean the union will allow it. And it doesn't mean that it will ever happen. But I do think that there's room for that if they're going to threaten to bring robots into major league baseball, then those, those people who want to retain, uh, listen, wow. I am really spun up about this. (laughs) This is I'm regulating really quick. Here's the deal. Okay. (laughs) I want to know what the umpires think because maybe this just occurred to me. Maybe they're like, please, man, I'm so sick of this. This makes this going to make my life so much easier. Work smarter, not harder, right? uh Uh-huh. And if they're getting paid, do you know how much they get paid? Okay. A lot. If, yeah, I know exactly yeah. how much they get paid. Yeah. So do I, once you get there. But yeah, yeah. that's a different story. The, the point is, for what they're getting paid, if you reduced the amount of work and the 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 amount of difficulty, really the barrier, mm-hmm. it has to come down as well. I mean, who would say no to that? Exactly right. And that's so maybe they love it. I don't know. Why, why not make your job easier when you can? That's the way I feel about it. Though I will say the one issue that I have though is that I've always felt like you have to have a fifth umpire up in the box running the machine 
as the person who's reading the reading the information yes. and then conveying that to the, the home plate umpire. In that being said, baseball. you said in major league baseball, you know, in minor league baseball. Yes. That's the way it has to be done. That is the way right. that is the proper way I believe to do it. However, I did see in this article I read on the score they said minor league teams are recruiting people to run the systems. Oh no! And that's where that's where they're going to mess it up. Oh, good. I understand you can we'll have never see it at the major league level. You can have an unbiased person as a scorekeeper, but when it comes to calling balls and strikes, like they might just be like systems down, systems down. You know? Yeah. When, I mean, you've got to have somebody of high integrity running that system. And really calling those balls and strikes down to the umpire because if it's close and it's a close game that means something, yeah, that could be problematic. And we've, I mean, we've seen it in the NBA with scoreboard operators and clock operators that sometimes they get a little itchy on that on starting that clock on an inbound or a little bit slow on it, you know, for the home yeah. team. And I feel like this is the equivalent to that at the big league level. If if this is how this thing runs, you've got to have a fifth umpire on that system. One hundred percent agree with you. Or, like I said. Just mess it up, and then it won't ever make it to the big leagues, and that'd be great. Or something. For some. Brad hates that. He loves the robots. I do, because (laughs) I hate – I don't like the human element of calling balls and strikes. The strike zone is a defined zone. It shouldn't be up to interpretation by the umpire. That's my problem. That's why I want a robo-umpire. I understand. Oh, I get fired up about that one too. Boy, we are we are both spun all the way up. <laughs> I do not want to fight you. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it would honestly bring it would take much, just one shot to the nose, and I'm done. So yeah, well, me too. I hate that. It's the put worst. It, but I, I, well, I refuse to put on boxing gloves with another person in front of me. But <laughs> all right, so we have a change in representation in Major League Baseball with a significant free agent break. Carlos yeah, Correa has changed. He is now represented by Scotty B, Scott Boris. Um, I'll be honest with you. Well, first, Brick, I want your opinion on this. Do you think this is a good thing for Correa? Well, obviously, a good thing for Correa because he's yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think this is a good thing for baseball, for free agency? You ask me if Scotty B is good for baseball? Because no, the answer. I don't well, no, think is specifically no. Correa. Specifically <laughs> Correa having that just representation. Kidding. I'm just That's kidding. What I want to know. Yes, it is a good move for him, but it is also all up in the air until we get this new CBA figured out. That's the that's the only thing. I wonder why he made this decision to sign with anybody now, knowing that you know lots of things are going to change. But you know what? At the end of the day, regardless of whatever changes, Scotty B and his team of whatever minions lackeys what's the what do you call little demon helpers anyway that's those people (laughs) just kidding Um, (laughs) that group of people are they're really good at what they do you know and they're very effective and they're very capable so whatever curveball major league baseball throws at them whatever the players union decides whatever the new cba looks like they're going to figure it out then they're going to find a slick way around it and then we're going to be back to another CBA arrangement. It's all going to be driven by Scotty B's greed. So um, we're going to end up in – Carlos Correa is going to end up in a, in a good shape no matter what it, by going with Scotty B. And as much as we you know, have him as the villain of our story very often, it's true that they're very good at what they do. They are. They are very good. I mean, he wouldn't have so many of the top players in the league as his players if, 
if he wasn't good at what he did. And same thing with his right. team. So that's, that's absolutely true. Um, the problem that we're going to have here, the problem that we're going to have here is that there are going to be multiple suitors for Korea because it's not uncommon that a Scott Boris client goes into negotiations and there's nobody else bidding and they just sit and they sit and they sit, they fake phone calls, they fake suitors, they fake interest. And the teams are just like, well, we've got to sign the guy. So let's just do it. The problem is that there are going to be several teams involved with the Korean negotiations and he is going to get a boatload of money and yeah, some team is. is going to mortgage their entire future yeah. for don't get me wrong probably top three shortstop in the league right now yeah who's 27 yeah, years old uh but he's going to probably get a 13 14 year deal and somebody on the back end of that is just going to be messed just up because of it eating it yeah that's exactly yeah. right and it's probably going to be the Yankees brig I know. <laughs> honestly is they're gonna go in they're gonna back the brinks truck up and they're gonna want to <laughs> give them the whole thing <laughs> so it'll be like a, it'll be like uh heat <laughs> here comes val kilmer and tom sizemore they got their ars out <laughs> al pacino's chasing them down the street you're right that is what it's gonna be like um you know what's funny i just looked this up because i wanted to know with as much as we, uh, what's the word, you know, poke fun at Scotty B and he has uh, great people on his list. So I wanted to know, do, do we feel about Scotty B's client list the way we feel about Scotty B? Obviously the gold standard is uh, Alex Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, in that vein where we're like, ugh, to both of them, you know, at some level, but yeah. sorry, a rod, but <laughs> still supporting you. But um <laughs> I wanted to know what, what the rest of the list looked like. So I just looked it up. Here you go. Juan Soto. I don't hate that guy. Mm-hmm. Max Scherzer. Great. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Great. Yeah. Xander Bogarts, Corey Seager, Chris Bryant, Garrett Cole, Coley Bellinger, JD Martinez, Julio Rios, um, Carlos Rodon, Jose Altuve. There, there we go. There's one. I took the 12. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Cole? Yeah. But hey, yes. Just saying. No, not the most popular guy. Agreed. But he's got Reese Hoskins on here too. I don't know. I just didn't know that. Jackie Bradley Jr. didn't know that. Dallas Keuchel didn't know that. Hmm. I didn't know Dallas Keuchel. That's interesting. But no, I mean, this this the thing is that the reason there's a reason guys signed with him. It's because he's going to get them paid. He's going to take care of them. Yeah. You know, and like. Granted, he gets them paid because then he gets paid. He doesn't really care that much about them. We've no. seen that in the past, and we've I've heard that from multiple sources, such that I have, and by that I mean like listening to podcasts and reading things, right? Sure, but, sure, sure. <laughs> but no, like he really doesn't care about them. All he cares about getting them paid so that he gets paid, and that's that's the bottom line. But he's good at it. He does it well, and there's a reason they signed with them. It's so, business. Yeah, that's exactly that's what right. it's about. So we just yep. happen to have some bleeding hearts. Yeah, um, along the way. So you know what my new favorite piece of news is? What's that? That the Rays will not be splitting time in Montreal. I was very happy no, to see that. There's no sister city situation happening. It was so like it was just so weird, right? Yeah, yeah. It was more. It seemed like more of a joke than anything. 
Like, it, well, it was certainly. If you don't give us a new stadium, we're gonna go up to up to Montreal to play baseball. And it's like, oh, you're not. That doesn't even work logistically. Come on now. No, it doesn't. But I wonder, and I haven't seen anything to support this, but I do wonder what the what the situation looks like and feels like in Montreal. Like, was there support? Was there not? Was there excitement? Was there not? Because everybody knows I want another couple of teams in Major League Baseball. So I just wonder what that turn of events became. I don't know. I don't know. I To me, it feels like the Expos got like supersonic, you know? Yeah. Like how this, the Seattle Supersonics were kind of taken, and same thing with the Baltimore Colts, were taken in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. There's a little bit more hubbub with the Sonics and a little bit more with the Expos, but at the same time, like it feels like those teams were taken, but it was like the fan base was like, no, like we still go. <laughs> we still yeah. like our team, you know? Yeah. Yes. And that, that's I mean, how that, it felt going on with the Expos. Decades now, though. So I wonder, mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying, I want to know what it's like now. I mean, What's the opinion? Yeah. How do people feel? I Here's the thing. I'll t- I will say this. I know for a fact in Seattle, you can still buy Seattle Supersonics gear on the street. That people still really? are like, we love our Sonics. We want our Sonics back. They will not cheer for the Thunder. Absolutely yeah. no way. But they're like, the mm-hmm. day that the team comes back to Seattle, they are our Sonics and they will be fully embraced once again. The, the, the Northwest loves the Supersonics still to this day. Interesting. Well, I know that I have a Montreal hat, Montreal Expos mm-hmm. hat. I bought it like a year and a half ago. Yeah. So it's like, and it was at the store. I like went to the brick and mortar location and bought one. It right. wasn't, I didn't have to order a special or anything. It was just there. Right. That's and that's the thing too, is that like, it's harder to get a lot of throwback hats. It's not hard to get an Expos hat. Right. And part of it is because they look so good. But on yeah. the other hand though, is because. Really sharp. I do feel like there is interest there and eventually they'll they'll get a team. So I hope I hope so. I do too. There's a lot of history there. Too. Well, Brig, before we go to break, I have one more thing for you. Okay. I read that the Braves were considering making a trade for a first baseman to replace Freddie Freeman should he leave in free agency. Yeah. That maybe they're thinking we can get a guy at a discount um who is as good or better. Now we're going to do a little comparison, okay? Okay. We have two players, okay? This this player who the Braves were considering trading for, and then also Freddie Freeman is one of them. Player A, um, in 2021, had 39 home runs, 111 RBIs, a 911 OPS, and a 5.0 F4, which is Fangraph's calculation of war specifically. Um, Player B, we have 31 home runs, 83 RBIs, 896 OPS, and a 4.5 F4. Which of those do you think is Freddie Freeman, and which do you think is this other player, this mystery player? (sighs) I think player B is Freddie. It is. Freddie Freeman, MVP. It's player B. Player A. Don't tell me. Don't. Don't. Don't you say it. Guess. Are you gonna, why don't you guess? Just give me one player who you think it might be. You're, don't say Luke Voigt. Not Luke Voigt, no. Okay. No, no. Okay. Nope. It is none other than Matt Olson of the Oakland A's. Whoa! Those are his numbers from 2021. 39 home runs, 111 RBIs, 911 OPS, and a 5. A F4 of 5. Oh, baby! 
And I did not dude, see that coming. He's younger than Freddie Freeman, too. Yeah. So that would I be a really good coming. trade because the A's are looking to, to deal. Yeah, they're dealing. They're going to burn the ships. Yeah. I might make that deal, honestly. <sighs> so what do you do with Freddie? A... Where does where's Freddie land then? Let him Brad? walk. Like where would oh my gosh. Like I don't know. I'd take Anywhere, him to Seattle. Obviously, but I'd take yeah. him to Seattle. Yeah. yeah, you're right. For sure. Well, and uh Milwaukee comes to mind. Milwaukee, they could use an upgrade for base first base, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know though, but that was I thought that was a really interesting comparison between the two because I knew Matt Olson had a great year last year, but I didn't know it was that good. That he outplayed the MVP. Good. I didn't know it was that good so, at all. That's yeah, really and, cool. And he was an MVP, like not like a finalist, but actually, no, he was a finalist. He's one of the last three, right? Anyway, he was, if not one of the finalists, he was definitely in like the top five because he had such a great year last year. So, yeah. Well, and you can um, chew on that for a little bit though. Well, okay. Go with me on this. Okay. I, first of all, let me make it very clear. I think Fre- I would like to see Freddie Freeman stay in Atlanta. Okay. Yes. I'm big on franchise players and hometown mm-hmm. heroes and all that stuff. So I want him to stay. Don't deal him anywhere. My personal opinion. But if it's going to be business, I just looked it up. Might be kind of fun to see him in LA. In LA. With the because Dodgers? M- Max Muncie is still having problems, isn't he? Day to day. Um, I'm not probably. Maybe his start might be questionable. Um, and that way you can put Cody Bellinger and stick him out in the outfield permanently. And you don't have to have the Gavin Lux temporary situation out there because that didn't go well. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) That is what I am spitting. Yeah, dude. I I don't know. Just saying. Yeah. Very interesting. Similar numbers. I'm looking up. I'm looking up his numbers um, from t- last season. Ninety-five runs, hundred twenty-four hits, thirty-six homers, ninety-four RBIs, eighty-three walks, struck out one hundred twenty times. Was it that's Muncie? Yeah. Wow. That's ninety-four RBIs. OPS eight ninety-five puts him at seventeenth. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty and good. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> that's surprising because I was, yeah. I was given like, I was not sold on Muncie as an all-star at the all-star break. So I, I, I don't uh, think I was either actually bow to that. Actually, I think I specifically remember assigning him creep by uh, as, <laughs> Radiohead. Uh, yeah. By Radiohead. As his <laughs> <walk-up song. laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, with that, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into our Detroit Tigers Mount Rushmore's. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I never get back with me root. Root, root for the home day. Don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Shop kids' baseball strips at 9plusss.com. 
Welcome back, baseball family. We are very excited to bring you this installment of Mount Rushmore series. We've got the Detroit Tigers today, and uh, just to give you an idea of how we're going to do this, we've got some team information, and then Brad and I each picked four names that you cannot tell the story of the Detroit Tigers without mentioning. According to us, we have not shared our information with one another. There, This is a blind reveal between the both of us. And that always proves really uh, fun, but also <laughs> it's healthy that Brad's not here this time. <laughs> yeah. he, he we might need to finish these up before the next time I come out and see you, Brick. Because <laughs> I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if I can survive another one of those. <laughs> yeah. So we thought we'd start it off today uh, before we get to the, the, the names of the team and all that. Brad wants to uh, share with us how they got the team name. Okay, Where did so it come this from, is- Brad? So first off, this is something we we haven't done this in a while. And I was like, you know what? What better way to do this than while we're doing Mount Rushmore? It only makes sense to me. So here we go. The origin for the Detroit Tigers name. This is according to teamnameorigin.com. Uh, it said that, to, that Detroit was originally a minor league team and they were known as the Wolverines, which I thought was neat because Brig, that, is, that neat. is the mo- moniker of our school that we went to, our alma mater. Correct. Um, says that during that time, they were also sometimes referred to as the Tigers, which was also a nickname of one of Michigan's oldest military units, which is the 425th National Guard Inf- Infantry Regiment, uh, and that spent some time fighting in the Civil War as well as the Spanish-American contest, is what it says. Uh, now, the team in 1900 asked the Guard permission to take on the name the Tigers, and uh, they were given that name in 1900, and it's been there ever since. Wow. So I thought that was interesting that they pulled that from um, the local National Guard. Very cool. I love that. Very cool. So obviously we know the team name. They've The Detroit Tigers been around since 1901 in this official named capacity. It's 121 current seasons. And I say current because it's still going so far. Um, their record overall is 9,446 wins to 9,311 Losses that puts them at a 504 win loss percentage in the entire history of the franchise. They've been to the playoffs 16 times. They've won 11 pennants and four World Series championships. They have 10 retired numbers if you count Jackie Robinson, which we do every time. We do always, absolutely. <laughs> By the way, so of so those the, 10 names, some real of them quick, are on my list. I just, yeah. I was like, mind blown actually looking at the tigers like it's one of those teams that i knew they'd been around forever right yeah. um but the fact that they only have four world series championships in 121 years that kind of got to me a little bit but at the other hand i was kind of like well they haven't won one since what was it 1977 i think is what it was uh no 84 1984 okay, I was gonna, I was gonna they say. won a world series and but since then, like, they've had some really, really bad years. Like, I specifically remember the 2003 season where they won 43 games. And you know what, Brig? Yeah. I was at one of those 43 games. Were you? They beat the Mariners in Seattle. Oh. And it was funny because they were so bad, like, just absolutely horrendous. And um, one of the outfielders was getting into it with one of the fans. I was out, you know, like, waiting for batting practice balls or whatever. And uh, this guy's getting into it with one of the with one of the outfielders. And he's like, dude, just go over and catch the ball. It doesn't matter what you say or what you do. You guys are going to lose anyway. 
and they went and they won the game. Oh, <laughs> like, no, my God. No. And when he said that, I mean, as a 17 year old, I was just like, dude, don't say that. Like, don't say that. You just don't, yeah. you know? <laughs> you just don't. So that has sat with me forever. <laughs> right. I'm sure. I'm sure it has. So the 11 appearances have been chronologically 1907, 1908, 1909. That's uh, impressive. Then we got 1934, 1935, 1940, and 45. Then we have 1968, 84, 2006, and 2012 is the last time they've appeared in the World Series. Get swept in 2012. Which they, yes, they lost handily. Um, Yes. There you go. I was going to say it's too bad, but I mean, somebody else had to lose. So somebody so, won, somebody lost. That's how yeah. it goes. Yeah. But yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting looking at the Tigers' history, like I said. Uh, and in our lifetime, hasn't been great. Uh, but prior to us, it was very good, very strong. Um, but Brig, do you want to go ahead and lead us off with your first? Let me just say this before um, I do, but yes, okay. I'd be happy to lead us off. But first, let me say that some amazing players have come out of Detroit. Yes. We, not just historically, but I mean, even in present day, it kind of feels a little bit like, um, like we used to think of the Rays where we're like, man, you remember when they were on the, the Rays or the Marlins team or whatever? And, mm-hmm. and now look at them. Now they're, you know, hall of famers or whatever. It's, it kind of feels like that. So, um, well, for, in that case, if you just want to name two of them, we've got Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. See, I was just going to say that there's a great, those are great examples and they're probably the easiest ones to draw from right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, let me just lead us off with uh, my first one. I'm going to go with first baseman. Okay. He spent 12 seasons with the Tigers. He started 1,269 games. He had a lifetime 313 average with the team 306 total home runs and 1274 RBIs. He's been a, uh, what do you call him? An all-star. And he was previously known as hammer and Hank Greenberg. Hank Greenberg. Yep. I was not expecting that. His first full season with the Tigers was in 1933. He hit 328 with 36 home runs in 1935 and 168 RBIs, and he won the American League MVP, and he also led them to a World Series championship that year. He drove in 139 runs or more five different times, 184 RBIs in 1937. That's the third most in MLB history. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, and in the era in the 30s, you don't think of a guy like Hank Greenberg as being the guy who led the league in home runs. Uh, but he did three times. Right. In 35, 38, and again in 40. Actually, sorry, four times because again in in 46, he hit 44. Oh, he did it again in 46. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's well, really and the, deal. the cool thing about Hank Greenberg, like some of the other players at that time, he missed – I think was it three seasons for military service? I think it was three yeah. seasons he missed. Yeah. Yeah. It said that he missed 42, 43, and 44. It says U.S. Army Air Forces is where he was. Yeah. So there you go. So, uh Hank Greenberg, everyone. That's my uh that's my number one pick. That's solid. That was 
Honestly, when you were talking about a first baseman, I thought you were going to go somewhere else, but we'll get there later. Um, well, and I, I failed to mention that he's been to two World Series, five-time All-Star, two, two-time MVP, and he is in the Hall of Fame. That's Sorry yes. about that. His career war is 55.5. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. All right, my first one, I'm going to go with a manager here. Um, Whoa. A manager who this is one of the first people I was kind of – I don't know if like introduced to as far as like uh, legendary managers and players, uh, but Sparky Anderson. Yes. So he spent a total of um, 17 years managing the Tigers. And the thing that this, so this is, this is what's crazy to me. So he managed the Reds for several years for the first nine years that he was a manager. Yeah. Uh, He started at age 36 and he managed until he was 61. Now I was doing the math on that. Like that's like, the longevity of that, that would be the same as like Rocco Baldelli managing until he's 61. For because real. He, he started managing at about 36. I think it was 36. And if you think about it, like my son is going to know who Rocco Baldelli is. Yeah. And his kids are going to know who Rocco Baldelli is. That's exactly you know? right. That That's mm-hmm. exactly how this was with Sparky Anderson is that I specifically remember sitting there reading a book about baseball history with my grandma. And she said, that's Sparky Anderson. <laughs> She's the one who told me about who he was. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it was. It's truly amazing. Um, but he actually is that was at the helm when the Tigers won their last World Series in 1984. Um, he led them to a 104 and 58 record that season. Very good. Very Solid. good record. Great manager. Incredible. Um, and he is in the Hall of Fame. Had three total World Series, like I said, one with the Tigers. So, um, yeah. Two-time like manager of the year. Yeah, and he I feel like he definitely needs to be recognized as uh at, part on of the, the framework. Yeah. yeah. You can't tell the story without Sparky Anderson. Do you know I agree with you? That's a great I did not pick Sparky Anderson. So let me just say that my favorite thing about Sparky Anderson is his nickname. And it's not yeah. Sparky. That's his real name. What's his nickname? Captain Hook. Captain Hook. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I, how did I not know that? I don't know, but the pirate in me has always loved that. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yes. And you know what, though? Fun fact. So I'm, I had a little uh, stuffed dog growing up, yeah. and I actually named him Sparky because of cool. Sparky Anderson. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Random, random fact there for you. Uh, that's but great. Anyway. All right. Who you got I next, Brig? Um, uh, this is so hard. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was easy at first, but I mean, it's just hard because. Okay, I'm gonna go with an outfielder because I have to. Okay. Twenty-two seasons with the Tigers. Come on, okay. man. That alone, right? <laughs> Twenty-two seasons, yeah, successful ones. Two thousand eight hundred thirty-four games played, batting average two ninety-seven, three hundred ninety-nine home runs. With 1,582 RBIs, they call him Mr. Tiger. His name is Al Kaline. I have him on my list, too. Yes! How do you get a guy whose name is Mr. Tiger? You got, He has to be on the list. <laughs> yes. Well, but, we didn't put Mr. Mariner on the Mariners list, so. Sorry. <laughs> Neither so one of us did, Al though, so I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Al K line obviously he's in the Hall of Fame. This this dude, listen to this. 
He is an 18-time All-Star. 18 times. He was the 1968 World Series. He has 10 Golden Gloves and a batting title. Oh, my gosh. He played right field and first base, throw right, field right, or bats right, excuse me, whatever. His career war, 92.8. Oh, that's just staggering. <laughs> it is. Mr. Tiger. So the one, the, the biggest thing with me with Al Kaline. So first off, for a long time, I thought it was Al Kaline. Like, or Kaline, yeah. Well, I mean, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. His last name was Kaline and his parents named him Al. Because like an alkaline battery or an alkaline metal, metal you oh, know. Anyway, oh, that's funny. Okay, <laughs> that, I didn't put that. Yeah, that's together. why. I, yeah, that's why I thought that it was alkaline. But you then I heard alkaline. I was like, man. okay, less. <laughs> yeah, less funny. But anyway, <laughs> no, the longevity though is what gets me. The fact that the dude was called up when he was 18 years old and yeah. then stuck with the franchise until he was 39 in 1974. That is a long time to be with one team. That is a whole lot of loyalty on both sides, but it helps when you have a 39-year-old who's making the All-Star team. And whether that was uh, one last hurrah for Mr. Tiger or not, I don't know. I wasn't alive. But the fact that he still made an All-Star team legitimately at age 36 yeah. says something for his ability and uh, and what he was putting up. He led the league in doubles in 1961. I'm a doubles guy. I love that. It's fantastic. Um, he also led the league in batting average in his third season his second full season at age 20 he hit 340 wow we don't see that anymore hardly no like that's you know, the amazing. other thing I, he he was number three in rookie of the year voting and um i mean he was in the top like top 10 mvp every year he wasn't in the mvp race <laughs> yeah that's amazing. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a big deal. Like you look at his accolades on baseball together or baseball together. <laughs> I wish we had a database on baseball reference. <laughs> I'll put one together for you, Brick. How's that? On baseball okay. reference, and every single year it's all star MVP, MVP voting, and gold glove every single yeah. year. So the and the, the the season he played the fewest games was his 18-year-old season, his very first one, which they don't even consider his full season because he's only played 30 games. But then yeah. after that, it's over a hundred games every year until the second to last year he played. He was in 91 games, and then his he comes back his age 39 year at 147 games. So yeah. I mean that is that is a tough dude. <laughs> That's a lot of yeah. baseball. Yeah, that's, that's some longevity. But no, it, it really what it comes down to me, though, is that anybody who's a generation above us and you talk yeah. to him about the Tigers, Al K-Line comes up. Yep. He's the, he's the guy. Yep. So you absolutely, we absolutely have to have him on the Mount Rushmore there. Um, okay. I have two left plus an honorable mention. Let's go. Let's go ahead and take a break. We come back. We'll go through the rest. We'll finish. Sounds great. That. Okay. Yeah. We'll be right back. The Non There Sports Podcast is the home of sports talk for everyone. Every other week, you can catch David and Jason as they talk about all things sports, from current events to classic moments and everything in between. You can find the Non There Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and more. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hey Brad, can I admit something? 
kind of ridiculous. Yeah, man. I have a Neil Diamond song stuck in my head. I did not see that coming. Well, me neither. Have you been to a drive game recently? Tell me it's Sweet Caroline. Yeah, it's not. It's Song Sung Blue. (laughs) I have to admit I've never even heard of that song. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Dude, you gotta get out more. I think you need a vacation. You're probably right. Did you know that you can get great deals on airfare, hotels, and rental cars by using Booking.com? They have killer prices all in one place. I booked with them when I came out to South Carolina to visit you. Cool. The best part is, every time you use our link, not only do you get great deals on travel arrangements, but you also support the Baseball Together podcast. Maybe I do need to get out more. We all know you need to. Even our listeners know, bud. Well, where should I go? I don't know. I hear Phoenix is nice this time of year. Click on the link in the description to get out of the house and support the Baseball Together podcast all at once. Welcome back, baseball family. And like we said before, we're going through our Detroit Tigers Mount Rushmore. Uh, we both have two left, and we thought we'd share honorable mentions too because we assumed going into this there was going to be some overlap. There's always at least one. Um, we're thinking there's probably going to be more going through here. Mm-hmm. But I want to go through and lead us off here with our next one. So this is a player who has not spent their entire career with the Detroit Tigers, but has spent most of it with the Tigers. Started off with the Florida Marlins. Florida at the time. Um, Get out, as a first baseman, third baseman, left fielder. Did you remember this guy played left field? Sometimes that escapes me. Heck no. No. Um, but anyway... So this is a six foot four, two hundred and forty nine pounder, age thirty eight, <laughs> Miguel Cabrera. Miggy, now, Miggy comes in with two MVPs, a triple crown of all things to add to his resume. Oh yeah, an eleven time All Star, um, and seven of those have come as a Detroit Tiger from 2010 all the way through 2016. Not to say, in my opinion, that he has not been worthy, but first base has been a pretty deep position since then. And we've seen a natural decline. And this is one of the things, too, is that he he came into the league kind of at the tail end of the steroid era, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And has never shown any signs of it. Has just been a solid... Very, very good ball player. One of the best hitters in the league for his entire career. He's one of those guys where if you need a double to win the game for you, you want him up to the plate, right? That if he doesn't, and I I feel like he's another one of those guys where you can be like, if Miggy doesn't say it, if Miggy says it's not a strike, it's not a strike. Oh, dude knows the strike zone better than Yeah, he's got outstanding command of the strike zone. Uh, More accolades, um, like I said. 2003 World Series winner, but that was with the Marlins, so that doesn't really count. Uh, Towards this, seven-time Silver Slugger, four-time batting title, and two Major League Baseball Player of the Year awards. Um, He has been the anchor on the Tigers' best teams of this century. Yeah, He has also been the anchor on the Tigers' worst teams. The one bright spot for those fans to look to. And it's really kind of upsetting for me, at least, that he's now, he's going into his 39-year-old season, and the Tigers are just now starting to tick up, 
right? Yeah. They're starting to look like they're going to start winning again. Yeah. And he's he's not going to be there when they do end up winning the division in a year or two. Uh, he's not going to be there to help lead a t- the team on a potential World Series run. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if it did, he's not going to be there for it because he'll likely be retired. Um, but the steadiness of Miguel Cabrera at that position for that team is what they've certainly needed. They've traded away, like we talked about, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. Um, I can't; those are the guys that they Christian got. Christian Yelich, no, no, that no, was that I'm was uh, that was that was the Marlins. Florida. Yeah, but my bad. But there have been plenty of guys who have been traded away, and he's been the yeah. constant. And you know, we yeah. started we talked about Scott Boris earlier. He used to be represented by Scott Boris. I don't mm. know what happened there with that breakup, but you, that's not something you see very often. You're right. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't think that Scott Boris would be willing to drop him either because he's he would still be a high money client. He'd still be Yo, a big earner for sure. So, yeah. To me, that well, says a little is, bit about it, his personality as well. The thing is, is we saw 130, 130 games uh, out of him last year, uh-huh. and he played fifty seven of the sixty games in twenty twenty, and then one hundred thirty six yeah. games in twenty nineteen. Now. 2018, I mean, he must have got injured or something. He got 38 games that season, but the, but then he goes right back up to the top of every you know he's in every single game, mm-hmm. 2,587 games over 19 year career. This doesn't appear to be a man who's slowing down at all, which is funny to say because numbers. because I feel like at his age we're just kind of like assuming you know totally. But, but if you look at his batting average, it has dropped. I mean he he was over 300 every year from 2005. Uh, 2008, he dipped down just below, but he went back up over 300 in 2009. Um, and then he has been under 300 since 2017. He was 249, mm. 299, just barely in 2018. Mm. But last year, he was a 256 hitter, which is like the new 280. It, it, I was just <laughs> right? going to say that. It's, it's, it's like, man, that's okay. <laughs> but he led the league Not great, in, but it's all right. in average for four years in his peak. Um, he led the league in home runs in 2012. He hit 44, and then he led the league in doubles in 2011 and 2014 with 48 and 52, respectively. Yeah. So his peak, though, was absolutely outstanding. He's still a great hitter. He's still a guy I would want up to play for me at any given moment that I would need need a big hit totally. because you're you're confident he's going to get it for you. And like I said, I, I don't feel like you can, again, tell the story of the Tigers without Miguel Cabrera. He's, a, he's kind of the modern-day hero, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's not going to be as romanticized as the guys before him, but I think eventually down the road he will be. Oh, I agree with you. Which is why he gets my honorable mention. Oh, very good. Yeah, I just wanted to put him in that honorable mention slot because of the romanticism, but also because he's still playing. And um I like to give the Mount Rushmore slots to guys who aren't still playing if I can. Um if there's a way to justify it and there is in this case. So, um one day in the next handful of years, we're going to have to start adding a fifth name to Mount Rushmore because it's getting really hard. It just is. That's not how it works, though, Brig. It is. It would in have to be three years, other, Brad. It would have to be some other thing besides Mount Rushmore because Mount Rushmore only has four. I'm going to do some research, <laughs> and we'll find. We'll call we it something else. <laughs> okay. Very good. Excellent. <laughs> okay. All right. Who you got next? All right, uh, I gotta save the, gotta save my humdinger for the end. So I'm gonna go with, ooh, which one should I do first? Oh, this is so hard. 
Because <laughs> they're both great. Uh, dang. All right, I'm going to go with the easy one. I'm going to go with okay. the one that we have to talk about because you can't not talk about it. Okay. Okay, you with me? Yeah. 22 seasons with the Tigers. He started in 2,806 games. Batting average, lifetime batting average of 368. 111 total home runs. I love that, by the way. RBIs, 1,800. That's why I love that, by the way. And scored 2,086 runs. He is absolutely and unequivocally in the Hall of Fame. He might actually be the greatest baseball player of all time. His career war is 151.5. Yeah, sit down. I said that. 151.5 career war. The Georgia Peach Ty Cobb. Uh, like I said, he's obviously in the Hall of Fame. He's got an MVP. He also has a triple crown. Okay, get off my jock, Miggy. Not everybody. <laughs> you're not the only one. <laughs> but he has twelve. He's a twelve-time batting title award winner. Oh man! Well, and let's be honest. Let's be honest. I think that the only reason he doesn't have more accolades is because they just weren't around. Yeah, precisely. Right. Like you look at his stats and like. Caught stealing, there's nothing from 1905 to 1911. Then there's 34 and 12, nothing in 13. And then there's three more years we had some, and there's nothing from 17 to 19. And I don't think it's because he wasn't caught stealing. They put a big fat zero if that was the case. I think it's just because they're like, ah, no, I'm going to keep track of it this year. It doesn't matter that big. It's not that big of a deal. No, no. (laughs) He just stole bases like crazy. He did, and I love it. It's fantastic. I mean, the guy has 212 career stolen bases, and he led the league three times. Mm-hmm. What the his highest is 38, or excuse me, 96. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong category. Oh, he had he led the league one, two, three, four, five, six times. 897 stolen bases. Pardon me, I was way wrong. 96 stolen bases. His uh, peak year. Well, so I love this in 2000 and 2000 in 1915, when he stole 96 bases, he was yeah. also caught for a league high 38, which is That's fantastic right. to me. Cause it means the dude just kept running. He just kept going. <laughs> they he doesn't like, care. Oh, just, just take it, whatever. And, and you know what? He, he slid into that bag with spikes up every time. Cause he doesn't care about you or your kids. <laughs> And I don't love that just because it had right. to have me for that hurts real bad. No, um, I'm not saying it's a good thing. We're not <laughs> celebrating that at all. I'm just saying he played the way he played. It was all or nothing all the time. And uh, I think that's awesome. Well, he, and he you know, led also, the league he, go ahead. in batting average 12 times. Yeah. That to me 12. is a big deal. Out of a 24-year season or yeah, career. He hit, he hit 400 twice. 1911 you. and 1912. You know what else he did? What's that? He said that Shoeless Joe was the greatest outfielder of all time. It's a shame he's on the Hall of Fame, huh? I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I had. I just have to plug that. But I'm telling you, this guy could. You could say Ty Cobb is the greatest baseball player who ever lived. You could. And one of the things that I've noticed, because I was going back through looking at old old baseball pictures. This is months ago. I was doing some TikTok stuff. And I found um, it was, uh, golly, what was his name? Um, 
The baseball, the guy who's known for the baseball card. Why can't I think right now oh, of his name? Dang. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. But anyway, it was it was a picture of him, and then there was one next to it of Ty Cobb, and the dudes were huge, like yeah. even by today's standards, as like yeah, they looked like they were juicing before juicing was even a thing because <laughs> they were enormous. Says. Yeah. And it's like the fact that Ty Cobb was able to run the bases the way that he was being that big, like that says something to me about either the competition or just the fact that he was uh, a freak athlete in a day where there weren't very many of them. I think he was a freak athlete, honestly. And I found, yeah. I think he could have been successful in any number of things. Honus Wagner. Honus Wagner totally there drew a go. blank on that because Honus Wagner was another really big dude, huge dude. Honus like, Wagner had like those big. big like farm get farm grandpa hands, you know, like yeah, they yeah. could swing that log of a bat yeah. they had. The there are logs. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I got one right here. This is uh this is how wide this is a replica Babe Ruth bat for those of you watching on uh YouTube, and this is how wide the handle is. This is a this is a more modern turning model. <laughs> you can see the differences there. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, look at this. <laughs> I remember anyway. one time in high school we played in this wood bat tournament and they they, you know, nobody had wood bats, so they brought in like a bag of them. And I remember picking up like 3 of them being like, "Golly, is this like Babe Ruth's bat? I could barely get my hands around them." <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> and awesome. They're like and then they found the one that could fit everybody. It felt like holding a twig, and of course, you know, I go out and use it the first time, and I broke it, and everybody got mad at me. There's the only one we can hold. It's the only one small enough. Like, well, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> and then, and then, fast forward thirty years or whatever, and we end up in the batting cage, and you found the smallest bat you could possibly find, and you broke that one too, Brad. I break it, yeah. <laughs> I can't lay off the inside pitch. I can't help it. You can't and have it, it and have it ha- since it was like almost 20 years since I've actually been in a batting cage, I'm not going to be able to get the barrel around. Like I think I can like, let's yeah, go for sure. Me neither. That's we have footage of this, by the way, if any of you want to see it, we may have to put yeah. it up somewhere. That's true. We um, should. It's just been so, sitting on my computer for months now. <laughs> me too. Speaking of, uh, speaking of old baseball bats and turning models, you can go to the Louisville slugger bat factory in Louisville, Kentucky, and they have a batting cage set up in the back of the museum where you can swing old turning models and they've got them. They've got them there. They're replicas obviously, but they just take the same type of wood. They turn it the same way it would have been turned for Ty Cobb. And uh, I think his is there. Babe Ruth is there. Um, Luke Gehrig's I think is there. Anyway, what all these famous play, I think Kirby Puckett's is there. Anyway, they got all these famous ball players turning models uh, in the batting cage, and you can sit there and try and throw a freaking tree at a baseball. <laughs> That's exactly what it would be. Too. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I've done it. I've done it like four or five times, and I, awesome. I never it never gets old. Yeah, very cool. That's rad. Okay, um, so that's everybody I had on my list. Brig, honestly, like, oh, it is Al Kaline and Ty Cobb. Yeah, I had both of them on my list. So let me go ahead and do my honorable mention, and then you have one more, right? I have one more, yeah. Okay. All right, my honorable mention, I'm, I got to go with Lou Whitaker. Okay. So Lou Whitaker, like, he doesn't have, like, quite the uh, accolades the rest of the guys do. But sure. for some reason, for me, I, I don't know why, honestly. Um, because he he ended his career in 1995. He did play 84 games that year for the Tigers, but he played his entire 19-year career with the Tigers. 
He's yeah. on the 1984 World Series team. Um, he's not a Hall of Famer. Um, he did win Rookie of the Year. He's a five-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, four-time Silver Slugger Award. Um, I don't know why, but every time I think of like Tigers in years past, Lou Whitaker comes to mind. Hmm. So I felt like because of that, I had to put him on the list. They, um, I did read an article that said that in 2020 they were going to uh, retire his number one. He had, he wore 43 and one with the Tigers, oh. and uh, but I didn't see it on the list on Baseball Reference, so I'm not sure what exactly happened. I didn't see an article about like why they didn't did or didn't. I don't know if maybe it's because of COVID they didn't do it and they just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, yeah. But his number one is going to be in like their Ring of Honor and be retired eventually cool. because he did play pay a, uh, play a significant role with that team and really like the only thing he ever led the league in was he played 109 games in 1981 yeah but you gotta love the solid everyday player like that right that's that's mm-hmm. our kind of bag right and yeah. he must have had uh, brought a lot to the clubhouse with those x-factor dynamics we like to talk about i, I think, think the so hard, the hard part about sweet lou whitaker is that you can't talk about him without talking about alan Trammell. Because that was like the dynamic duo that, you know, and they, I just think you can't give two guys one slot. Right. But if right. you could, they'd be on there. Yeah, they would be. Um, oh, and Alan Trammell has said that he believes that Lou Whitaker belongs in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, so, and, and it's, and I don't think the culture club is even going to get him there. Um, but like I said, I don't know why, but for some reason he's somebody who I associate with the Tigers and that's why I would put him as, uh, in my consideration for being on the Mount Rushmore, but it doesn't yeah. quite make it because he doesn't have like the accolades and the numbers of everybody else. That's great. So that's great. <clears throat> there you go. I love it. All right, my last pick, since my honorable mention is already burned, I'm going to go with Ernie Harwell. Hmm. Ernie Harwell was a broadcaster for the Detroit Tigers from 1960 to 1991. And then again, 93 to 2002. And when he took a break in the, after the 91 season, fans were outraged. Like literally they were up in arms over this thing that, excuse me, this thing that had happened where the radio station he worked for in the ball club had some issues and he just got caught in the crossfire. As far as my research indicates, but he's also got his number slash initials because that's how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got his initials retired in Detroit, and they are, I mean, he is heavily beloved and favored and honored in every way you can think of it. Um, he was a part of one of their, um, obviously, their World Series run. Um, he's been in involved in every single freaking baseball game almost ever played in Detroit. It feels like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like because he is the bridge between the fan experience and the the games is playing on the field, Mm -hmm. you know, he deserves a spot uh, as much as Vince Gully with the Dodgers does. Mm -hmm. So um, Ernie Harwell gets my last spot. That's a great one. That's I actually looked into him to see if I would put him on there because I knew that they had a, like I, I off the top of my head, I couldn't think of who their iconic broadcaster was, but then I looked it up, looked up Ernie Harwell, and I was like, Yeah, he's definitely was another one of my honorable mentions because he does deserve a place there. When you mentioned that he has initial his initials retired on mm-hmm. baseball reference, they have Ty Cobb's initials retired too, because he was pre Jersey number days. That's right. So that's really was. that goes way back. Uh interesting things to think about there. Uh but Ernie baseball Harwell. family hold oh, on sorry, one second. The, the very famous broadcast 
uh, by NBC, <coughs> the shot heard around the world. That's Ernie Harwell. There you go. So if you're familiar with the shot heard around the world, it was for a 1951 National League tiebreaker series, um, Dodgers and Giants. Bobby Thompson's shot heard around the world. That was called by Ernie Harwell. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So baseball family, let us know what you think about the Detroit Tigers, Mount Rushmore. Did we get it wrong? Did we leave somebody off? Tigers fans, reach out to us. Let us know what you think, especially because I'd love to hear what you think about about the Mount Rushmore and who you would have on there as well. Uh, You can reach out through the mailbag. There's a link in the description of every episode. There's also a link in the navigation and on the bar. And you can find it several places on baseballtogether.com. You can also leave us a voicemail. There's a link in the description. Uh, I put a link uh, on Baseball Together as well. So you can send us a voicemail if you prefer to do things that way. Reach out on social media. Comment on YouTube. We have links to all our social media and YouTube in the description of every episode. So you can find us that way. Follow us. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast to let us know what you think. And Brig, I didn't forget about you. Go ahead and plug the shop for us. Thanks, man. Don't forget to jump on the shop at 9plusus.com. It's N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com, 9plusus.com. That's where you can shop all the sweet merch that we're wearing. Straight out of the bullpen is my shirt today. Brad's got his Baseball Together podcast logo on his chest right there. This is my uh, Home of the Brave hat right here, and Brad's wearing... His absolutely flawless, perfect hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right now. So <laughs> jump in there, get yourself something awesome. Give give your uh, friends something awesome. Uh, we will do. A su- we're going to celebrate the announcement of the new collective bargaining agreement and the start of Major League Baseball season with a uh, discount code. So as soon as that comes around and is announced, we'll let you know. Stay tuned for what that discount will be. For sure. And we will we'll drop it on the podcast. We'll drop it on social media. And you can join our VIP group on Facebook, 9 Plus Us VIPs. It is absolutely free to join. There is no membership fees or anything there. And we will make sure, for sure, to drop the, the uh, discount code there first because that's right. how we roll. And yep. baseball family, with that, we will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.